where you don't have to know it all. You don't have to be a Bible theologian. You just have to be hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you shall be filled. Your hunger will supersede any theological thing. Pastor, I know it's 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 one o'clock. One one ten. We're good. Okay, I just want to make make sure. Okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, I, I love that because, you know, it's like they said, it's one day a week. And, and most places you go, they want, they rush you in, they rush you out. And like, where's the presence of God? You know, where's the honor? Where's the honor? I mean, think about what the Lord has done for you, how he saved you, how he set you free, how he's blessed you, how he's brought you out of darkness, how he, how he broke lack off of your life, how he's provided for you and your family. Think of the goodness of the Lord. I mean, at least one day a week we can come together and we can celebrate the goodness of our God, how worthy he is, how awesome he is, how wonderful he is. And we're not in a hurry we're not in a rush. We don't do this out of something that it's just a program or it's a, a religious duty. No, we do this out of honor, out of a relationship and communion. And we come together to celebrate, to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So I was, I, I just want to share, I told everybody I was going to share my testimony because they had questions for me just on a few things that I shared on Friday night. So I'll just take a few minutes to, to share my testimony. Now I just want to talk to you about living your life for eternity. Living with eternity in sight. Keeping your eyes set on eternity. Not just the now. We know faith is in the now. But faith is in the now for an eternal purpose. Living your life with an eternal perspective. You know, I was raised in a Christian home. I grew up around the things of God. I was made to go to church every Sunday. And... Uh, you know, if I didn't go to church, I'd get a whooping or I'd get grounded or whatever. So, of course, I would go. And by the time I got to be a teenager, I would, uh, we were going to a church, and, and my mother came to me and she said, if you go to the youth group for, I think it was like three months consecutively on Wednesday nights, they're going on a snowboarding trip, and I'm going to, I will send you on the trip with the youth group if you go. I said, all right, done deal. I'll go. I'll go for three months. I'll sit in the back. I'll cross my arms. And that's exactly what I did. So I ended up going on the, the youth trip. And, and every night they would have like a, a meeting or a service. We would ski and snowboard during the day or whatever. And then at night we'd have a, a, a service. And I would tell the youth pastor or the leaders, I would say, I'm not feeling good every night. And that wasn't true. I would just stay back in the room and chill and do my own thing. And everybody would go to service. Well, by the last night we were there, the youth pastor actually came to my room. He said, look, I know what's going on here. You know, I know what you've been doing, and I realize that. And he's like, but I really believe if you come to service that God has something special for you tonight. And he was so cool about it that he's like, look, you can sit in the back. There's no pressure, but I really believe if you come, God has something for you. So, so I, he was so cool and so genuine. I went, and I sat in the back, and that night the power of God hit me. I answered the, the, the altar call. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, we came out of that youth camp and went back to our church. And uh, that Sunday, the youth was so radical, they rushed to the front like you see all the kids up here. They rushed to the front, 
and everybody was dancing and rejoicing and singing and praising. And then after service, that didn't go over well with the, with the deacons and with the pastor and everything. And so they got all the youth together and said, if you guys want to do that on Wednesday nights, that's fine. But you're not going to do that ever again on Sunday mornings. If that happened, he said, we understand you guys just got back from youth camp. You're emotional and everything, but that's not God, and that's not how we're going to do things here. So for me, as a young teenager, just encountering the power and presence of God, if I said, well, if that's not real, and if that's not God, I'm going to go find what's real out there. And so that caused me to turn my back on God, and I started running after the things of the world from that day on, because that's what religion does. Religion is dirty, man. Religion is it's no fun. There's no life. There's no joy. There's no peace. It's just duties. It's regulations. It's man's vain attempt to try and reach God. But there's no relationship, and there's nothing real about it. And so I wanted to find what was real because I'm a radical person. And so I wanted to, if I wasn't going to live radical for God, I was going to live radical finding what was real. And so that sent me on a downward spiral, sex, drugs, rock and roll. I'm talking about probably 15 years or so, and I thought I was living my dream. I had moved to Hawaii, and I was surfing the best waves in the world. I was hanging out with the coolest people. I was traveling with pro surfers. I was doing videography, making surfing films, and I was going to the coolest parties, living the high life, you know, whatever. I thought I was living my dream, but I was completely miserable on the inside. I was totally broken. Every high left me low. I was strong. I tried every drug. I, I, I couldn't go a day without sink, uh, drinking six-pack. I couldn't go an hour without smoking a joint. I was completely broken, depressed, addicted, in total bondage. And my mom, every time she saw me, she would always tell me, Son, I'm praying for you. God loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. I just want you to know how much I love you. Jesus loves you. I said, Mom, stop praying for me. And then I would just hang up or, or run away or whatever every time I saw my mom. And so one day, it was Mother's Day, I think 2004, and it was my mother's request that my, my brothers and I, we all go to church, meet her at church, go to church with her on Sunday. And so we went to church, we meet at church, and after church we went and, and to a Ruby Tuesdays, and we all met there, and it's Mother's Day, the place is packed, there's a line going around the building, the place is packed on the inside, families, children, everything. Long story short, my brother and I, we, we sat down at the table. We ordered the food. The food just gets there. Haven't even said grace or anything yet. And then my brother and I get in a fight. I don't remember exactly what was said, but all I know is he picked up the, uh, the pitcher of cola that was on the table, and he dumped it in my lap. And before I could even think, my elbow went into his jaw, and he went flipping over the chair behind me. And before I could even get out of my chair, he tackled me forward over the tables. They split in the middle. The food went flying everywhere, and we're rolling around the Ruby Tuesdays, beating the crap out of each other like some John Wayne Western movie <laughs> on Mother's Day and Ruby Tuesdays. And so finally, my dad and my other brother, they were able to break up the fight. And the, the manager said, hey, just he came over and said, pay your bill. The cops are on the way. You guys need to get out of here. So we got out of there, and my other brother drove me home that day. And when, when I got home, the first thing I did was I smoked a joint. And I didn't realize at the time I had a heavy concussion, and my temple was swollen over here like a baseball. And as soon as I smoked that joint, I began to trip out and lose my mind, and I felt like I was going to die. 
And I told my brother that, that drove me home, I went inside, I said, Jason, hey, you got to take me to the hospital, bro. I feel like I'm going to die. He's like, look, dude, you're tripping. He thought I was just being Joshua, you know. He's like, look, you're tripping. Just go outside, get some fresh air. You're going to be fine. So I went outside. I tried to sit down. As soon as I sat down, I went on the front porch, sat down on a bench. As soon as I sat down, I heard a voice, still small voice, speak to me. And he said, Joshua, go to your room, cry out to me, and I'll save you. So I jumped up, and I ran inside. I went and grabbed my brother. I said, Jason, you need to take me to the hospital, bro. I'm hearing voices. I feel like I'm going to die. He said, if you come in here one more time, he said, you stay outside. If you come back in here, I'll lock you out for good. You're not, you're not getting back in. You need to chill. You're tripping out. You're going to be fine. So I went outside, and I sat down. As soon as I sat down again, I heard that voice speak to my spirit. Joshua, go to your room. Cry out to me, and I'll save you. And at that point, I knew enough about the things of God that that was the Lord. And I said, okay, God, if that's you, tell me one more time. Joshua. Go to your room, cry out to me, and I'll save you. So, so I ran to my bedroom. As soon as I opened the door, the power of God hit me. I fell face first on the floor, and I began to shake and tremble under the power of God, like radically uncontrolled. And it was like Jesus walked into my bedroom, and he said, you know, he says he'll take out the stony heart. A new heart I'll put within you. A new spirit I'll put within you. And it was like Jesus walked in and reached in and grabbed my heart and ripped it out. So much so, it was physically painful. I couldn't even breathe for about three seconds. And then suddenly, it was like, boom! He gave me a new heart. He filled me with a new spirit. And I realized, looking back, in that instant, it was like he reached in and he, and he ripped out all the junk that was in my life. All the hurt all the unforgiveness, all the bitterness, all the anger, all the addiction, everything. He ripped it out. And then suddenly, whoosh, he filled me with his presence. He filled me with his power. He filled me with his peace. He filled me with his joy. From that day, I have never, ever been the same again. I came out of my bedroom an hour later, just full of the peace of God, full of the presence of God. No swell, swelling, completely gone. No headache, wasn't high, was in my right mind. I could see more clearly than I've ever seen in my entire life. Everything was greener. The skies were bluer. It was a beautiful day. I felt like I had, literally, I know what, it likes to be, what it's like to be born again. Because I was radically transformed in the presence of God, in an instant. I didn't need a 10-step program to get off of these things. No, one encounter with the power and presence of God radically transformed my life. And like your pastor said this morning, if he did it for me, God is no respecter of persons. He will do it for every single one of you. And there is people outside in these communities around this church that have a story just like me, that are in bondage just like me, that are addicted just like me, that need the power and presence of God, and that you are carrying that power to a lost and dying world. But you're going to have to go. And when you go, you're going to have to open your mouth. 
But when you open your mouth, he will fill it. When you reach out your hand to lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Praise the Lord, brother. That's good. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> Woo! So, so, so from that day, I just been to get. I began to get hungry. That night, I got a Bible. I went and asked my family for a Bible. They thought I had lost my mind. The same family that was in Ruby Tuesdays with me. And they gave me a Bible. And I be, this is what's crazy. This is what blew my mind. I, I opened the Bible to the book of James. And I began to read the word of God. And as I was reading, the power of God hit me all over again. And I began to weep. I was crying, but I was laughing. And I was crying, and I was laughing, and I was crying, and I was laughing. And it was like this joy, unspeakable and full of glory, was just overwhelming me. And my brother, he had walked, the, the brother that drove me home that day, he walked by my bedroom, and he heard me in there. And I had it just cracked, my door cracked just a little bit. And he looked in and just shook his head and then closed the door. <laughs> Like, I had really lost it this time. But when I opened the Bible, this was so amazing. I opened the Bible to the book of James, and then it was my, my, my dad's old Bible. And all these scriptures that I was reading, it had my name written to the side of these passages. And it had Joshua, and then prayers that my dad had been praying over my life according to the scripture when, when the Lord had spoken to him. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your children. This is the year. You know the wave that your, your pastor is talking about right now. How many can actually feel there is a way? I can feel it. As your pastor's ministering over the last few days, as he's been talking about this wave, and he's talking about the offering, this breakthrough seed that you guys are about to experience in this house, I can actually feel the wave coming and taking place and that this wave is not just gonna you're not just gonna ride this wave this wave of glory is over gonna overtake every single one of you <laughs> i'm a surfer i know i i surf the some of the biggest waves in the world when the waves in the pacific when they overtake you, there's nothing you can do about it. You just hold your breath and hope that you come up sometime. You're overtaken, man. Just boom, 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 upside. You don't know which way is up. You don't know which way is down. But, man, after you come up, you're like, oh, my gosh, I made it. Let's do that again. Everybody say, overtaken. overtaken. Come on. No, that's what the Bible says, that the blessing of the Lord 
will come upon you and overtake you. Hallelujah. So don't give up on your family. Your family's going to come into the kingdom of God. Your children are going to come back to the Lord. I thank God for my mother. She stood in the gap for me. She, I always saw the love of God in my mother. I always did. She never gave up on me. She never condemned me. She always, son, I, love, I was strung out. I was addicted. I was lost. She knew I had a call of God when I was in her womb. She prayed over me. She dedicated me to the Lord. She never gave up on me. She stood in the gap for me. And because of my mother's prayer, it was like an incense that went up to the Lord. She stood the gap, and it, without her, I would have been dead, I can tell you. So stand in the gap for your children. They're going to come home. They're going to come back. They're going to come in. This year, your family shall be saved. And I'm telling you, as you go out and win the lost, as you go out in this community and at your workplace and your school and your job, as you go out and reach other families, God is going to send laborers to your family, and God is going to reach your family and bring them back to him. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Woo-wee. Praise the Lord. So I'm just going to give you a couple of scriptures here on eternity, okay? Because we got, we got to live. You know, from that day, I started living my life for eternity because I lived so radically for the devil. I, had, I was like, man, if I live that radical for the devil... I'm going to live so radical. I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to ride the fence. I'm going to be all out. I'm going to be sold out, all in for the kingdom of God. And so I just started getting plugged into the local church. I started serving any way I could. Man, I, just, I want to stack chairs. I served on the worship team. I served with the youth. I just wanted to be in the house of God. I just wanted to be where the presence of God was. I didn't care about going out on the weekends anymore. I had no interest in that. I was like, when's the next meeting? When's the next conference? When's the next revival? I just want to be where the presence of God is. I start my, my, the Lord came and branded my heart with eternity. And, and that's the work of the Holy Ghost. And it's something that I cried out for. Lord, give me a passion for the lost. Give me a passion for souls. Brand my heart and my mind with eternity, Lord. Help me to see people the way you see people. Help me to live my life through heaven's lens. Where heaven's perspective where I see eternity every day, everywhere I go, that I'm not just living for me, myself, and I. I'm living for heaven's plan and purpose for my life. Because whether you, just like the lady said, uh, the page gave her testimony. The lady said, I've been waiting for somebody to tell me this my whole life. You know why? Go with me to Ecclesiastics 3.11. He says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely planted sense and purpose of working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. So everybody is, is, is built with a hole in their spirit that only God can fill. And just like me, you can go and you can try to fill your life with sex or drugs or pornography or, or whatever and live that life. And you can try to fill and, and maybe it's, it's temporary fun, but in, the, but in the end it bites like a snake. And it doesn't fit that hole. So that's why they're always searching. Well, maybe if I make more money, maybe if I get a new wife, maybe if I get a new home. 
But the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener on the side that you water. So everybody, you know, it's like trying to fit a round peg in a square hole. There's a sense of eternity in people's hearts. And that's why the script is made a certain way. Do you know if you were to die today? Because it brings eternity in the now. Because people just live their life, even in the church. K, Sarah, Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. No sense of purpose, no sense of eternity. Just living for the now, living for the American dream. And there's nothing wrong with having things. And there's nothing wrong with being blessed. As long as those things don't have you. We are just stewards of everything God has put in our life. Like my wife and I, we don't own anything. We just steward it. We are just vessels, willing vessels. And God is not looking for perfect people. God is looking for willing vessels that will say, here I am, Lord. Send me, I will go. Not my way, not my will, but your will be done in my life on this earth as it is in heaven. Just willing, just yielded. What, what is yielding? It's you're giving God the right of way. What do you do when you come to a yield traffic sign? You, you give the traffic the right of way to go before you, right? Well, it's the same thing with God. When you yield to what God's plan and purpose is, when you yield to his word, you give him the right away. Say, I'm putting my desires aside. I'm putting my plans. I'm putting everything aside for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, I'm putting my, I lay my pride down. You come and do whatever you want to do in my life. You come and have your way in my heart. Come and touch me. Come and change me. Come and transform me. I give you free will. Holy Spirit, come have your way. Come do whatever you want to do in me. Because I know what you do in me, you're going to do through me. There's nothing special about me. And there's nothing special about your pastor. It's just that we are people that are just like sold out. I'm not the sharpest tool in the the shed. And you don't have to be. It's not about that. You know that the number one way to grow in the things of God It's not by knowing your Bible, everything, and it's important. The number one way we hear God's voice, you should be in your word every single day. No excuses. Don't tell me you're too busy for your word of God because if you're too busy for the word, you're too busy for God, and you're too busy, period, and you've missed it. But you don't have to know it all. You don't have to be a Bible theologian. You just have to be hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you shall be filled. Your hunger will supersede any theological thing. You want to grow in God? Get hungry. Get thirsty. We talked about it on Friday night. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. That river that's on the inside of you has to come out of you. Because if it doesn't, it becomes a swamp. And swamps need but rivers feed. And you know what swamps look like here in Florida. They're not good. You don't want to be around those things, man. There's all kinds of creatures in there. So eternity, we're living our life. Everybody's built with eternity. Just a couple of scriptures here. Skipping through all this. 
Okay, Matthew 6, 19. Here we go. We're going to roll out. Matthew 6, 9. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth, moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break through and steal. Store up treasures in heaven where moth, moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and go down to verse, I believe it's 31. It says, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. we got to get our priorities right. Seek first the kingdom of God. First things first. It's his word, his will, and his way. Amen? And it's about attaching your life to eternity. That means every area of your life. And, and you have to ask yourself, and I would ask you that you would do this today, personally, with the Lord. And you would say, Father, how do I attach what I'm currently doing right now? My job, my family, my life, whatever I have in my hands and what I do, how can I attach what I'm doing now to eternity? And the Holy Ghost will show you. And that's what it's all about. We attach what we're doing every day. We attach it to eternity. Amen? The Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. So, you know, my desires have changed over time. As I, 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 used, I still love surfing, and I, it's still like, the greatest thing, I, I would do it more than anything, but I love God more than surfing. And leaving Hawaii was like, I, I married my wife, and thank God I was in Hawaii. I found my, my wife, and I married my good thing, the best thing that ever happened to me. My good thing, baby. <laughs> best thing that ever happened to me. But leaving Hawaii and my surfboards and everything and moving to the Gulf Coast of Florida was my alabaster box, my, my first one. And because it takes an act of God on the Gulf Coast of Florida to get waves, man. We're not like you over here and got the Atlantic run in Fort Pierce. But, but as I've been serving the Lord, even my desires have changed. So I, as I've delighted myself in Him and put Him first, it's actually, it's not only He'll give you the desires of your heart, but it's like I didn't even know the desires that were in my heart. But as I delighted myself in him, my desires changed. And my desires become his desires. So our life is not our own. We're bought with a price. Can you say amen? amen. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Colossians 3, 1, 3. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at. Seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds and keep them set on what, a, what is above the higher things and not on the things that are on the earth. For as far as this world is concerned, you have died and your new real life is hidden with Christ and God. See, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. Can you say amen? James 4. 14 and 15. 
Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Yet you do not know the, the least thing what will happen tomorrow. What is the nature of your life? You are really but a wisp of a vapor, a puff of smoke, a mist that is visible for a little while and then you disappear into thin air. You ought to instead say, if the Lord is willing, we shall go and we shall live and we shall do this or that thing. When you haven't heard any of mine, there, there's nothing too small to pray about. My wife and I, we pray about everything. Where to go, what to do, what do you have next? We, it would be impossible for us. We, we were talking, you're, you're, we had dinner with your pastors last night, and we were talking, they were like, well, what's, what are you guys believing for? And this, this is what, he, he just said, this is what I kind of see or, or whatever. And it, it was what we've been praying about this year. And... But there's no way that my wife and I can just pick up and go do this or that because it looks like a good thing. I can't just go take a job somewhere or I couldn't just go plant a church somewhere or I couldn't just go accept a pastoral job or I, I couldn't just get up and move just because I like the place and it seems like a good idea and a good opportunity because my life is not my own. I'm living by eternity. I'm living with an eternal perspective. So if it's your will, Lord, I'm seeking you according to your word. If it's your will, Lord, let it be so. And then we make a decision based off of what we hear from the Lord. Because our life is not our own. We seek his word. His word is his will. And his will is his way. Amen. Number one way you're going to hear the voice of God. I want to, How do you hear the voice of God? Right here. Oh, man. It is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. Yeah, because there's a way, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end there's death. So you want to talk about storing up treasures in heaven. How do we do that? Well, number one way is souls. Souls is the currency of heaven. Do you realize that? Because the Bible says, what if it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? That means one soul is worth more than the entire world. It's the currency of heaven. So what are you going to have to show for your life on the other side? When you reach heaven, when you stand before the Lord, what are you going to have to give to him? What are you going to have for this vapor zero time that we have here on earth? What are you going to be able to show for your life here? Because we're called to be fruit producers. John 15, 5, when you bear and produce much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified, and you show and prove yourself to be true followers of mine. Spiritual fruit is eternal fruit. Say that after me. Spiritual fruit is eternal fruit. So how we spend our lives here on earth determines how we will spend our lives in eternity. I mean, you only live forever. People are like, oh, you only live once. Uh, no. You only live forever. You think, you think you're just going to stop? You think we're not going to work? We're not going to, you think we're just going to float around in heaven? <laughs> no. We're going to be working. We're going to be, we're going to be working. We're going to be leaving. And so, so how we spend our life here determines how we're going to spend our future that's why I said, if you're faithful with little, I'll make you rule over much. Amen. Hallelujah. 
So, okay, this is really powerful, and I'm, I'm closing here. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already had, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like one, someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Man, I don't want that to be me. I want to get to heaven, and when my works are tried, and I'm not talking about you have to work to get to heaven. We know that our ticket to heaven is by receive, believing and receiving the finish and the finished work of the cross, and that's grace. And we receive, we receive grace by faith. But once we're saved, it's time to get to work. We got a job to do. Jesus said, occupy until I come. Can you say amen? amen. So, so when souls is the number one way, our, our treasure our finances, your pastor talking about sowing this big offering that and, and how the, 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 the offering or the, the tithes and the offerings have doubled this year in the ministry here. I mean, it's been supernatural. That's a fragrance that's going up to heaven. When that offering is sowed, yeah, men receive the offering on behalf of the Lord. They receive it here on the earth on behalf of the Lord in heaven. So those, those offerings, it's not just a one-time thing. No, those are going before you. Those will be waiting for you on the other side. Well, when the Lord, you, you know, when you go to heaven, you stand before the Lord, he'll say, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And you have something to give to him. So your treasure, your finances, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Souls, your treasure, your talents, your ability. What has God put on the inside of you? What do you feel called to do? What has he blessed you with? You've all been blessed with talents and endowments that, that the Lord wants to use for his kingdom and for his glory. You see many people that are talented. You see many people in the world and a lot of these superstars and singers, they grew up in the church. They had a call of God on their life, but they've turned their back on the things of God and the, the, the love of money destroyed their lives. And took them away from the call of God. And you can see there's an anointing on their life. And there's a call of God on their life. But they're living for the devil. So your treasure. Your souls. Your treasure. Your talent. And your time. The, day, the Bible says the days are evil. So make the very most of your time. Living with an eternal perspective. We're going to give an account for our lives when we stand before the Lord. Last scripture. Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded, and this is crazy. I was just thinking, man, as your pastor was ministering this morning, he was like, man, he was just in the flow because it's like it was going right along with everything that, that I felt was on my heart. And even this scripture, as he, was, as he was speaking this morning, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, every unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. Let us run with patient endurance, steady and active persistence, the appointed course, the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract unto Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incident of, of our belief 
and is also the finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that. Stripping away all that would distract. It's out of the Amplified Bible. I think that's so powerful. Stripping away every distraction, every weight, the weight of sin, the weight of anything that's holding you back from the fullness that God has for you. I don't want anything to hold you back. I don't want anything holding me back. And that's why, you know, like your, your pastor led us in a prayer. Anything that's holding me back, Lord, I give it to you today. I don't want, come and lift every heavy burden. I give you, I cast every care upon you today. I strip off every weight, anything that's standing in the way. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a, some hanging around the wrong people that keep pulling you back in a different direction. Maybe it's unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, whatever, lust. There's secret things that nobody knows about that keep holding and pulling you back. And you can't move forward into what God has for you, even though you want to, because you have this weight. And we're trying to run the race, but you can't. No runner that's running the race can win the race carrying a weight. We have to cast it off today. I'm just so glad to be a part of the family. No matter what you're going through, I got you and you got me too. What's up with the family?